Klaivu sponsors the Replatform podcast. Check out Klaivu Smart Search in Action on replatform.fm to help you find the podcast you're looking for. In other news, we've written a guide with input from James and Paul, replatforming tips for in-house e-commerce teams. Download free at klaivu.com slash replatform. Thanks for tuning in again to the Replatform podcast. It's myself, James Gerd, and I'm joined with my co-host, Paul Rogers. How you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Good. It's Friday. It's Friday afternoon. There's a beer in hand. I'm looking forward to this episode. How about you, mate? Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, um, yeah I'm really glad we've managed to get well on. Exactly. So let's set the scene and then we'll intro uh, today's guest. So there are a lot of interesting direct-to-consumer brands making waves in e-commerce. Uh, and today we're talking to Deathwish Coffee, which is a big name in the Shopify world and a fast-growing brand. Soon to be launching their new website, which is a retooling and a rebranding and all the design and UX UI work has been done in-house and using an external development partner. So it's a really good time to talk to their director of e-commerce to find out what's behind the business growth, learn a bit more about their outlook and strategy, share a few insights in the business. So welcome to the Replatform podcast, Will Critcher. How are you doing, sir? Very, very well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, so you've joined us from the US today, so you're a few hours behind us in the day. Um, mm-hmm. Would you like to give people a bit of a flavour for like who you are, what you do, and, and get, set the scene for, for Deathwish? You know, a, a few people listening will have heard of it, and some people may not have come across the brand before. Yeah, that's a tall order without a beer in my hand, but like you said, we're a few hours behind. Just pretend, just pretend <laughs> you have one in your hand. Yeah, I can. So, uh, yeah, yeah. My, my name is Will Critcher. I'm the e-commerce director here at uh, Deathwish Coffee Company. I've been with the company for about two and a half years. A uh, little background about me. I previously owned an agency. Pretty much since I was uh, I turned 18, I've worked in the ad and agency space. Um, this is working for Deathwish the first time on the brand side. Um, like I said, started a couple of years ago. Uh, Deathwish Coffee Company. We are a differentiating coffee company in a, in a very well-served uh, space, and we've made a pretty significant impact in Splash. Uh, we are owned by a single person, Bootstrap. We have no VC money. We take a lot of pride in that. Um, we created the world's strongest coffee. Uh, that, that's essentially how Mike Brown, the CEO, uh, used to own a coffee shop here in Saratoga, where our headquarters is at. And he had a lot of customers coming in like, hey, Mike, give me your strongest cup of coffee. What's your strongest cup of coffee? And then he was like, huh. So he went he went home and he Googled the you know, world's strongest coffee and nothing popped up and saw an opportunity. And so then he just started to, you know, kind of source different beans and went through some, you know, roasting just elements. And then he ended up producing this very delicious cup of coffee that uh, I can't even tell the exact, uh, the exact milligrams. Obviously it depends on the brew method that you're using. Um, and then a product was born. Uh, I think after that, after that was created, someone from Good Morning America actually was uh, stopped up in Saratoga, tried the coffee specifically. And this was before it was even really branded or created. We never really sold it online at this point. I think this is like early 2011. And I think it was actually Al Roker and he uh, gave him a cup of coffee and he was like, wow, this is ridiculously good. He actually went down back to the city the next day to do their Good Morning America show. And he told, um, you know, some people there. And then they called Mike up and they're like, Hey, you know, we'd love to interview you. And so they came back up to, uh, he's like, Oh, that's cool. That's amazing. And he's like, we'd love to see your operation. And at the time it was just, it was in the basement of the coffee shop. It was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, since then we're, uh, all of our, well, 90, 99% of our products, um, are fair trade and, uh, fair, 
uh, we source all our beans through fair trade and um, all the products are USDA organic certified. Um, now, now we're located in roughly 20,000 retail locations. We have our deathwishcoffee.com and as well as Amazon, walmart.com. And uh, we were scaling out to the UK actually right before COVID hit, but we had to put that on pause just due to obviously the pandemic wasn't our friend in that situation. Great. I, uh, I look forward to yeah, Deathwish coming over to the UK. Absolutely. Uh, so Deathwish is a really big name, as James said, big name in the kind of Shopify and D2C space and has been for a while. So my first question, so when did that growth kind of really take off? So you mentioned kind of some of the origins of the brand, um, but when did it really start to grow? And then I guess like one sub question with that. So I was reading that you won a Super Bowl ad a few years back and how big was that for you? And was that a, a big part of it, a big part of it as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so I started, like I said, a couple about two and a half years ago. The Super Bowl commercial aired in the 2016 Super Bowl. Um, so the, the we were already seeing, uh, you know, a fair amount of growth. Actually, that Good Morning America event um, that definitely kind of got some attention. I believe, uh, you know, at the time we weren't even able to you know, supply the orders. We just kept selling out and selling out. So we were seeing a decent amount of growth, and I think that that kind of helped situate us for uh, what came in, in 2015 when Intuit QuickBooks offered a they did a small business challenge for you know the winner would win a Super Bowl commercial. And essentially it was just based off of who could get, who could get as many votes as possible. Um, so we ended up winning that. And uh, like I said, that was, that was before I started working here. And so the the very first thing, but I think it was maybe 20 minutes within uh, my first day, I created my, I had my Google analytics account and I was like, let's see what, what that does to web traffic. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Gary Gee, but he, you know, he makes the comments is like the best dollars, ad dollars you could ever spend would be on a Super Bowl commercial. And I would agree with that with the caveat of, uh, you know, I would agree with that, except we didn't pay for it. It was, uh, it was pretty incredible. I mean, the, uh, the growth, it's, I've, I've never, I mean, it looked like looking at Mount Everest off the side of the cliff. It just went through the roof. Um, and obviously it tapered off. And, and then, you know, I think by the time, about a month after the Super Bowl, you could see probably just a consistent, I would say maybe 30 to 40%, uh, you know, monthly average traffic increase. Um, yeah, that's kind of, and then since, I mean, from there, I, I mean, yeah, I guess from there, we, um, you know, have had some success, obviously, with our, our dot com. We expanded into Amazon and for five consecutive years, last year was the first year we weren't, uh, our ground coffee was the number one selling ground coffee on Amazon. And in 20, uh, 2019, uh, our dark roast ground coffee was the number five selling product on in all of grocery for Amazon. Um, and yeah, since then we've launched medium roast, we've launched cold brew, a uh, cold brew line. Uh, we actually just recently released latte, which is it's milkshake. It's, it's it's flavored milkshake, but it's rocket fuel. It's it's ridiculously good and ridiculously energetic. Um, and we have a bunch of new products that we're going to start rapidly releasing here in the coming uh, the coming months. Awesome. Um, we'll come back onto Amazon a bit later on. Um, mm -hmm. So a few years ago, you migrated to Shopify. Um, so what did your technology st stack look like pre that move, and what does it look like now? And also in the context of the new website. So. Um, yeah, as it relates to the technology stack, I mean, you know, predominantly we're using the usual suspects, you know, when it comes to uh, email marketing. So MailChimp, um, you know, we didn't really use anything beyond, um, I don't want to say, I mean, but, but let me set the stage a little better. So uh, Deathwish looks at um, the three most important things to to our company. You know, the number one 
the number one most important commodity to our company is our people. Uh, the number two most important commodity to the company, obviously, is a coffee bean. And the number three most important commodity is 100% an email address. So we very, very much so value uh, first-party data and email address. So um, MailChimp, you know, was certainly the the predominant um the predominant extension of, of our marketing team. Um, you know, since then we've uh, we've transitioned into uh, using Clavio. Um, I think at the time, actually, back then we were using Bold uh, Bold Bold subscription. Uh, we just outgrew it and transferred it into Recharge. Um, but you know, as of today, you know, we use Clavio, um, Privy. Um, Clavio, it's funny, it's funny how like you operate in these 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 applications on a daily basis, and you're like, what do we use again? Um, but yeah, Clavio, Privy, obviously our Shopify, we use Recharge. Um, you know, with the development of our new site, um, we've we've extended out and tried to look at uh, different ways that we're not, you know, some some tools that are not being used typically in direct to consumer that might that might pair really well in that B2C space. So uh, one of them being uh, Wistia, which is a video platform. Um, we're really, really excited to uh, to include that with the launch of our new website. Um, and I can expand on that if you're unfamiliar with it, but it's a phenomenal tool. Um, we've made some subscription changes as well. Uh, and as of lately, we've been, we use PostScript for SMS. There, there's, there's the other one. It's like, what else do we use on a daily basis? Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of, you know, essentially kind of it, you know, minus any of the like the external performance marketing channels, things like that. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? When you use something day in, day out, you sometimes go, get name blind. I often have this when people say, what's that tool that you recommend? I say, oh, my God, I can't remember the name. Um, yeah, yeah. So you, you mentioned subscriptions. Now, this for me is a fascinating area, and it, e-commerce subscriptions have blown up over the last few years, for, especially mm-hmm. in certain product areas. Um, and a lot of DTC brands have, have actually launched off the back of a subscription model. So love. I think our listeners would love to hear, like, how big a part of your strategy is subscriptions? And also, what have you learned um, that, that makes subscription commerce successful with customers? Both, both very good questions. Um, so uh, to provide some context, uh, you know, subscription revenue represents roughly 47% of our dot-com business on an annual basis. So it's a pretty significant um it's a significant uh, driver of revenue and, and something we, we certainly pay quite a bit of attention to. Um, I think, you know, looking at the broader sense of it, I, I think, uh, I think, you know, if, if you're, if you're, let's say, let's say you're not a bootstrap company, right. If you're, if, you, if you're a VC, you know, I think, uh, or if you're funded and um, yeah, I think, you know, subscription, certainly from a, a, a e-commerce business, I think that that that's where you really can, prove the value that the long outstanding value of a company. So I think subscription is a great way, um, you know, to, if, if you are looking to, you know, scale your business and sell it, I think it's a great way to do that. Um, but when it comes from a subscription standpoint for us um, and, and how I look at it, especially, especially over the past year, I think, um, you know, the, the total addressable market of retail, I think last year was roughly 30, $32 trillion in e-commerce as a whole represented 11% of that. And, and so that's actually really quite small when you consider the second largest retailer in the world being Amazon owns 50% of that 11%. And so that was in January of 2020. And so with the pandemic, the pandemic pressed fast forward on e-commerce. And so I think, um, and, and the infrastructure of it. And so in July, uh, you know, e-commerce represented 30% of the total addressable market. I can't tell you, I, I imagine, you know, Amazon still maintained about that 40 to 50% control. So um, how that relates to subscription, 
Um, obviously, you know, subscription, you know, businesses, but products, especially like in, in, in the CPG space where we are, uh, you know, people, um, pandemic or not, you know, are looking for the, at least, well, yeah, I say specifically with us, you know, like if somebody's going to subscribe to a coffee product online, I mean, they're looking for convenience. They're looking for, um, you know, how can they kind of check this thing off of their, um, Sorry about that. Uh, they, how can they check this off their grocery list? And so, you know, if convenience, you know, is one thing that they're looking to do, you know, kind of save time, then subscription should then subscribing to a product, managing that that subscription should should be convenient. And so, I think whatever whatever can be done to satisfy the customer and to make it convenient for them, at least from a CPG standpoint, I think is is certainly where it's at. You don't want to give the perception of convenience and then you know have them subscribe and then find out like, man, this is actually a pain in the ass and and uh you know and cancel or just you know create you know a lower mps score they're not referring anybody i think subscription is is, is wildly important for a business that it you know that it makes sense for and i feel like there's probably not too many uh too many uh e-commerce businesses that that can't create some form of a subscription business yeah i think that's an interesting point and, and it doesn't it, it's not necessarily the core product range but there are often sub subcategories that suit a subscription model that drive retention and repeat purchases and lifetime value. Yeah, indeed. Um, another question about that, if I may. So as a business, like, do you have do you have core targets on upgrading customers to becoming subscribers? And and like what what is your approach to 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 being able to give people a proper value proposition of why they should become a subscriber? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So, um, yeah, we, we certainly do focus on it and, and in full transparency, I mean, like, again, we starting, starting with, um, you know, the, the team that we have and, and the, some of the ignorances that we have and, and learning through the process, we didn't necessarily implement the, the best goals and the best strategy in the beginning or in the middle or even today, for instance, you know, but, but we've, we've, we've rapidly improved how we approach this. So, um, you know, I would say yeah, it's always a goal for, um, for our business, especially now to really focus on, you know, do we want, you know, repeat customers or do we want reoccurring customers? And there's, there's quite a bit of a difference there. Um, you know, especially when it relates to, we, we have an extremely high, uh, return customer rate. I, I want to say in 2020, our return customer rate was almost, I think it was like 50%. Um, on Shopify. And so what that what that tells us is that obviously we have a great product market fit. We have a very loyal customer base. And I mean, coffee is the second most non-consumed alcoholic beverage on earth. And that's, I mean, coffee is addicting. And, and what that means is that everybody pretty much drinks coffee, right? Except for people in the UK who only drink tea. I'm just kidding. Um, but we have a, uh, uh, you know, so, so if we have a product that, you know, uh, uh, hypothetically, you know, everybody, everybody drinks, um, what can we do to, you know, take the people who come into, you know, who, who discover us in some way, you know, who are, let's say they're, you know, they're problem aware, they're aware that they need coffee, right? So how can we make them solution aware, you know, and, and especially when you look at Deathless Coffee, you know, we, we are the world's strongest coffee and, you know, so how, how do we, how do they know, you know, what, what, what does the world's strongest coffee mean like? So how can we make them solution aware? And then how can we make them product aware? And so once we get them through that phase of being product aware and they're able to purchase that product, um, you know, what can we do to then, you know, um, uh, I hate I hate using the term but value ladder, but like what kind of value ladder can we create to help you know scale them up into a subscription? Um, well, first off, you've got to have a great portal, a great subscription portal, a great subscription model, um, you know, for you know to, to deliver that convenience. So it's not just perceived convenience, and that's something that we're certainly going to be doing um, in 13 days when the site launches. Um, but so you know, once once you've satisfied that, then what what type of um, 
what can you know what what are those mechanisms or levers that you could pull to you know to get people to become a subscriber beyond the model and the portal and i think you know one thing you could look at is you know take a segment of customers where you know we say hey we've got um let's say we have a thousand customers over the past six months who have purchased three bags of coffee or three three bags or three boxes of, of death cuts or something like that that they haven't subscribed cool so now let's show them uh, let's send them an email and a segment and say, Hey, did you know that, you know, after you purchased your first one, um, you would have saved X percent or X dollars had you just created a subscription, you know, here you can become a subscriber today by going this way. So I think kind of like showing them, you know, what, what savings come, what like the, the financial savings, because that's, you know, I think people can obviously easily quantify like the dollar element, but, um, you know, quantifying time, I think, you know, it has to be, uh, you know, kind of like it's this, but to me, that's more of like an added value thing. I think, but once people start to understand, the time that they can save um, on top of the dollars that they can save. Um, I think uh, it makes people a lot uh, more willing and easier to uh, convert to subscription. Yeah, that's excellent. That, I had another question in mind, but you just answered that about whether it's, it's, it's monetary, yeah, the monetary side is what drives the promotion or whether it's about the value. So I like, I like mm -hmm. the fact that it's a mixture of both. Uh, and interestingly, as, as a British person, I, I'm one of the rare people who doesn't drink tea and coffee is my thing. So this is why I'm loving this episode. Um, you have to give me your address. I'll hook you up. Yeah, but yeah, that, that sounds like a, a, re a really like cheap shop for me to say, give me some coffee. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, yes. Give me some coffee. Amazing. <laughs> you, you had that planned out the whole time. I yeah, yeah. I'll be, yeah. be trying to work it into the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, great. Um, so I'll, I'll ask the next question. And actually, this is a sub question similarly to James's. Um, do you or have you evaluated or considered um, the new kind of Shopify uh, flexibility around subscriptions? Like, do you intend to go into the Shopify checkout? Have you, have you looked into this yet, particularly with the kind of project you're doing at the moment? 100%. 100%. And yeah, obviously, with being a recharge customer, that presents um, that presents uh, an obstacle uh, because we're an existing recharge customer. Yeah. Um, you know, we have, we have to we have to wait in line. Um, and so, uh, yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I think you know, you're, if you can, why would you? Why would you ever want you know your 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 best customers, you know, your most loyal customers to leave your website? You know, I think it's not. I'm not. I'm not worried about that. You know, like like oh, if they go somewhere else, they're gonna think something else. But I mean, you know, it, it doesn't make sense for them to kind of enter this new environment and so on and so forth. So yes, I think if you know natively being able to check out or create a, or you know create a subscription pay for that subscription, modify a subscription should be done at your, you know, insert, insert company name.com. It shouldn't be at insert, you know, company.recharger.com. Right. Makes sense. And, um, and sticking with subscriptions, how do you currently report around your subscription orders and customers? So in terms of kind of the recurring income side, churn, subscription length, et cetera, like what tools do you use and what does the reporting look like? Yeah, so uh, we we have a pretty robust um, uh, reporting situation when it comes to recharge. Uh, they they do a pretty good job of uh, standing up their data and visualizing it. Um, you know, so we're able to look at you know what type of retention we get from you know six to twelve months. Um, MRR is a big one. You know, I think we uh, we also want to identify you know what our voluntary churn versus involuntary churn looks like you know how many customers are we losing who you know our subscribers are 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 we'll say churning essentially because they're they, they changed their address which doesn't match up with their billing situation anymore um you know i think you know, so we, we definitely wanted to we certainly like to identify that and, and make sure that we're you know making making those who involuntary are about to involuntary churn aware of aware of the circumstances and try to you know 
uh, make sure that they can update their payment information. Um, so I think th- those are those are pretty big elements. Um, naturally, you know, we we look at growth. Um, you know, and, and but not just growth. I think you know, like a uh, you know stable growth, like retention and in that nature. I think um, you know we also uh, not specifically within a subscription platform um, because it doesn't provide that information. But you know, trying to identify what uh, that unicorn metric. I, I, I don't know if that's the the way to describe it, but um, what I mean by that is. Um, Netflix a number of years ago, uh, they did a study and, and definitely fact check me, but I'm, my numbers, I don't think are terribly far off, but so Netflix, like a few, we'll say like six, seven years ago, um, they found out that if a new user, regardless if they paid for that first month or they got like the first month free trial, whatever, whatever, uh, no matter the, the pay or non-pay, if that user watched completed eight movies within a 30 day period, they had roughly a 90% 12 month retention rate. If that user or a user watched seven movies, it was less than 50%. And so then they had discovered, oh, okay, what we need to do is that that's that's what generated their um that custom feed, right? Like, you know, you know, things that we think you might like because they're like, we don't care what it is, we just gotta get them to eight. Because when we get them to eight, we got them for a year. And so we're doing, especially with the new launches, you know, uh, identifying what first party, you know, data that we have, you know, and that we can look at, which is also the, the very uh important to us because of uh, obviously all the third party uh, depredation or degradation. Oh, that's not the word I'm looking for. Deprecation. Um, and, you know, with, with uh, Chrome and iOS making their changes um, and so on and so forth. So, you know, what, what first party data can we, can we observe and look at and, and identify, you know, what that, what that unicorn metric is. Maybe it's like, yeah, they come to our site organically, they read a blog, they buy a t-shirt, but if they read a blog and buy a bag of coffee, there's a, 95% chance we can get them to subscribe, whatever that might be. And so those are the types of things that we're looking at. So that way we can, um, you know, better help, help us better identify who those subscription candidates are. Um, and then obviously, you know, get them, you know, make sure that they're aware of, 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 of uh, the subscription service that we offer and then, you know, try to, you know, encourage them to, uh, to subscribe. And I guess moving away from subscriptions again now. So do you do you currently have an in-house development team or do you work with agencies and how do you tend to approach the kind of roadmap and new features side of things uh yeah so uh we we have no internal development team the only development team we actually have is the external partner that we use for our our new website launching um so when it comes to uh the development side of uh and, and i'm i'm you mean like when when it comes to like kind of making that migration um, from from the external checkout to Shopify native checkout? Um, we have uh, we, have, we haven't really roadmap. I mean, we I, my our understanding was that we have I think I think around like January of next year is when when that's going to be uh, on the table for us. Um, so we haven't really looked into what type of uh, development needs we might need, and I mean, understand that there may be some and there may be some associated costs, but um, yeah. And we talked about the um, uh, kind of Shopify and the introduction piece. And, and Shopify is it's hitting the news in so many different ways. For so, there's so many big brands like yourselves who are scaling really quickly with it. Mm-hmm. Our mantra on this on this podcast is that no technology is ever perfect. It can't be. So for the balance view, what are some of the frustrations you've had with Shopify and how have you managed to like resolve or work around them? Oh, man, it's... 
But I was just talking to somebody a little earlier today, actually, about about the situation, like the whole suffering and silence type thing, you know, and, you know, sometimes you, when you start to get in processes of things, like, for instance, um, you know, Shopify, Shopify can provide, you know, a, we'll, we'll say like a decent amount of reporting, but like, it's, it's, it's less than ideal, you know, with some of the things that you think would just be, you know, it's like, wait, you know, when you're talking to Shopify support, and we're on Shopify plus, so it's like, we have plus support. And so we'll reach out to them like, hey, you know, can you, can you show me how I can create this report? And they're like, actually, there's just no way to create that here's an application like okay like you know and i've ran into that you know a number of times and i think um i, I think that uh yeah i mean but that's certainly one I, I know that they've they've implemented their their they just rolled out uh the flow beta or flow two the, the beta for flow two um you know so that that's helping improve some some automation and, and management and um the product management and things of that nature um but i i think really you know to be to be honest, I think like my 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 biggest complaint, or not my biggest complaint, I say like by the biggest things that the that I think would be nice to for to be built out better, you know, that would require less applications or, or I mean I don't know if there's an application for one of these things, but is uh they're discounting, you know, so automatic discounting. Um, you can only run one at a time. That's pretty frustrating. Um, but I guess I, I can conceptually understand why that's a, an obstacle for them. Um, and then I would say the, uh, the, the discounting or the discounting, I just said that, um, the reporting element of things, you know, I just think that there's, um, uh, there's a lot of lifting that, you know, merchants have to do and, and, uh, both, both established and, and especially, especially those who are, you know, just starting out, it's, uh, you know, it can be, it can be frustrating, but at the same time, I guess, you know, if you're just starting out, you might not necessarily know what you need to do. Um, but I, I think it's probably yeah the, the reporting and discounting I think are probably the two the two biggest pain points we have uh, with Shopify. Yeah, and I think this is a challenge for 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 uh, what you know startups, smaller businesses scaling is. Big businesses typically have their own BI tools and they take the data mm -hmm. reporting outside of it. But if you're starting up, you don't have the the luxury of having that. So this is why we ask the questions because it's useful for other people to hear because nothing's perfect and you, you obviously have to find solutions around it. And you talked about flow too. I, I'm really interested because it's, you know, I don't know enough about this yet. So what's your take on flow too? Like what are the added benefits to an e-commerce business like yourselves? Uh so uh, real quick though, back to what you're saying too about the um, you know having having BI tools and stuff. We actually just on Monday hired a, a senior data marketing analyst who is like here. I was actually looking at some work he was doing uh, just yesterday, which was Thursday. So it's his fourth day in, and I'm like, man, did we hire the right person? Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, having you know finding that right person who can you know. Um, who can, you know, scrape and pull all that data and then visually stand it up, um, you know, and that way you're not just constantly creating ad hoc reports and ad hoc reports. Um, I mean, that's, I, there's not enough, um, there's not enough um, emphasis I can put behind how valuable that is. Um, you know, it's, it's not the sexiest part and it's, it can be very confusing depending upon, you know, what your focus is and skill set is as a, as an owner operator. Um, but there's, it can't, enough can't be said about how valuable that is. Um, Flow two, uh, and I promise I wasn't just dodging the question. So we had access to this, <laughs> and uh, so we we had access to this, and um, I got as soon as I got jumped into it um, or, or dove into it. I think I probably spent like 
I don't know, maybe like 30 minutes into it. And uh, just <laughs> this, our new website launched and, and a few things we're doing here, like I didn't even get to really partake in it. I actually had to email um, the person who who gave us access to it. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I was so excited to do this, but like, I can't even like, I'm, I'm not a good candidate to answer that question. Um, I have been a part of some of the email chains and I've seen some of the community response and it does seem to be pretty positive. I think they've addressed, you know, some of the logic issues. Um, I know they've expanded a few things. Um, that we've had, you know, we, we've identified some issues with just like kind of like trying to create um, low stock inventory, um, inventory alert issues because we come out, uh, we release, you know, a, a pretty healthy line of merchandise items, specifically our mugs. Um, and, you know, we, we, we can release 3,500 mugs at 11 a.m. and we sold out by 1 p.m. So, you know, definitely presents, you know, overselling, uh, you know, potential. And so using the flow system that currently is in place, um, has somewhat mitigated that. And that was really my hope was that, uh, in which I can't speak to, but I, I would, my, my real hope was that flow two would help us, you know, get a little further in front of that just to kind of, um, to avoid those, uh, overselling type stuff. But unfortunately I'm not the right person to ask that question. Makes sense. And, um, you're about to launch a brand new site, um, which I think mm -hmm. I saw you talking about on LinkedIn, um, with a screenshot mm -hmm. and it looks really good. Um, tell us a bit more about that. Like what are you changing? What are you most excited about? Oh man, I, I don't know if we have enough time. Um, so yeah, it's like I said, it's it's far more than a redesign. I mean, it's a it's a it's a complete retooling. You know, we we've looked at the the project as a whole. You know, we sell a premium product. Our our our, our bags of coffee is twenty dollars. So there's not really many competitors that we have at our price point. Granted, our bags are bigger. We sell sixteen ounce bags versus like you know the overall majority of. Uh, uh, in-store coffee is, is, you know, 12 ounces. Um, so, you know, we sell a premium product, um, you know, both because it's fair trade organic, but because the pricing and, and, the, and everything that we put into it. So we needed to deliver a premium experience, a premium online experience. And we all very overwhelmingly would agree that our, our, our current website is just not really that. And it's not a great representation of who we are as a, as a company, as individuals that, that prop this company up. Um, so we did a, um, when I sent a, an email out a little over a year ago, it was essentially it was a, a website audit. And one of the questions on there was, have somebody who has never purchased from Deathless Coffee before, has never heard from Deathless Coffee before, maybe they know you work there, but they don't really know anything about it. And just have them go to our website and just go up to down, like top to bottom on the homepage. Don't click anything, don't anything. And then just provide some feedback on what they think of the brand. Like, you know, what would they think of us? And I'll never forget this. One person said, it's a quirky brand and there's nothing that, and that, that's not at all who we are. It's not all how we want to be, you know, uh, outwardly facing. And so I was like, that's, that, that, that to me, I was like, you know, we need to, you know, we are a bold, authentic, you know, we are rebels with causes, you know, we, we, uh, we're nothing core. I mean, we're quirky of like individuals, but that's not who we are as a brand. And so, um, the, you know, the main goal is to look at you know, we wanted to set precedent. We wanted to look at what, um, you know, what, not just what companies were doing, you know, like not what other successful DTC companies are doing, but how are people interacting, um, you know, with, with online, um, anything online, you know, both on mobile and uh, website. And, and so, you know, I think, you know, barring an unusual situation, I think the overwhelming majority of people are all power users of Netflix and they're all power users of Spotify, right? And these are, these are established companies that have spent millions of dollars into customer research and UX and UI. So we started looking at what they were doing and we've, 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 we've borrowed and learned from them and implemented that to help really improve the UX of our website. And uh, uh, you'll see what that looks like soon. I'm very excited about that. 
Um, you know, we've implemented a, uh, you know, again, a, uh, but how one of the, the marketing goals that I set was, you know, increasing our add to cart percentage or rate. So we implemented a quick shop feature. Um, you know, we, we eliminated a lot of, uh, you know, people, especially with, uh, regards with mobile or desktop, you know, we, we, we essentially associate icons to everything. So making it easier to, uh, identify what they're, you know, what they're shopping for, what they're looking for. Like I said, with Wistia, you know, we're going to have the ability to autoplay videos on a collection page as a front-facing media, um, which will help bring a page to life. Um, and not only a page, but, you know, the entire ecosystem and website, which goes into that next element. We have, um, so we have our dark roast coffee, uh, which is like our OG blend. We have our medium roast coffee. And so that's a bronze kind of color and packaging. Um, and so, you know, if you're on our medium roast product detail page, it inherits all of the, the, the color schemes to that product, just kind of trying to, you know, you can't you can't taste something by looking at it, right? But but we're trying to at least kind of put you into the mindset of where you might be when you're drinking that type of coffee. Same thing with you know again our dark roast and or like uh, we do limited time only like pumpkin and stuff. So we have the ability to um, you know to kind of create these ecosystems that um, that uh, uh, that that not only speak to who we are as, a, as an organization and as a product and as a brand, but also like the, the the product itself. You know, so it just kind of you know put people into those environments a little bit better than than we have in the past. Um, another element that we have again with first party data is, uh, we will be, uh, it's funny. I actually like I'm tiptoeing around. Do I want to say this, but it doesn't matter. Um, we, uh, on our, you know, one of the biggest drivers, actually the biggest driver of, uh, traffic to our website is a blog currently. Um, and so we used to be very, very good at that. We kind of got a little bit away from it just due to how we've developed as an organization, but we're getting back to it, um, slowly and surely. Um, so on our content collection page, um, or blog listings page, however you want to identify it, um, the users will have the ability to uh, create their own list. So again, people love to do Pinterest, right? And so what we're doing is allowing people to bookmark blogs because we have a lot of recipe content in there. Um, and we do, you know, we have some, we have a full fleshed out podcast. So we want people to be able to kind of save media and save content um, with the addition of being able to save and pin products. And so let's say this a user finds our website through Google or through a blog, and then they see this ability, hey, create your own list. They go to click it. They don't have an account. Put in their name and their email, sends them a double opt-in. They label their list. We're now able to know what that list is titled. Let's say they wanted to save like a barbecue recipe. Uh, and the barbecue recipe that we made, um, it, it includes like our instant coffee. And so what we can do is see like, what are people um, season, like seasonally or uh, psychographically or demographically, what types of lists are they, are they creating? Uh, when they create these types of lists, like are they saving products? Are they also purchasing products? So that'll also help us with contextual marketing and content marketing, especially when third-party cookies, uh, you know, is deprecated. Um, so that's, that's something I'm really, really happy about. You know, it's not any, it's not anything nefarious or tracking. Plus, obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a super slick lead gen tool. And so, um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, it's where we're trying to, you know, not just deliver like the, you know, relevant ads out, you know, outside of our space, but trying to, you know, make sure that we're, we're, we're understanding and creating two-way familiarity with, you know, not only our customers, but our users as a whole, um, as well as, you know, trying to provide, you know, at the end of the day, like provide relevant content and useful content and, you know, just help, help make sure that they do feel as much a part of the community as we would, as our, of our community, as we would like them to, um, regardless if they purchased or not. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's quite a few things that we did. I, like on our current website, we've got a, drives me crazy. If you add something to the cart, it's got that, you know, that vertical right rail on the column that completely interferes with the, the, 
the checkout experience. Um, I think it's very presumptuous. It's like, hey, you added this bag of coffee. Now go check out. You have to like click out of it. It's obnoxious. And so we straight away from that. So we just kind of have a pop-out cart. Like, you know, it just kind of says, hey, there's something in here. And then if you don't click in to go check out, it just, you know, goes back into its cart. Um, you know, and, and lets you, you know, continue doing what you're doing. And then there's a little animation that'll happen every couple of minutes if you haven't added anything there just to kind of like help promote the, uh, you know, help, help try to like, you know, not that people forget they put things in their cart, but just to kind of, you know, bring attention to it. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of things we've uh, we've found this tool called Lottie. And what Lottie does is it takes uh, After Effects uh, files and then it quickly converts them into CSS that you can embed into your site. So you can create something extremely extremely cool and creative and animated, put it into Lottie. Lottie spits out a piece of code. And now you've got a fully animated page or graphic or element. And so we were able to bring a lot of life to our website beyond just using rich media. Um, granted, uh, you know, we're, we're learning after effects as we go. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a program. Um, and, and the other big thing, I think I'm also, I'm sorry, I'm going on a long one here, but the other thing I'm, I'm, I'm just so yeah, proud of. Like, this is great. <laughs> People passionate about their products and their brands, that, that that's what gets people excited. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. It's a, it, the thing that like I just I'm I'm uh, when when we were working with our agency, when we land, when we found the right one, um, you know, and, and they were like, cool, you know, are we gonna design this? And we're like, they're like, like, no, you know, they and and fairly from them, they're like, okay, you know, because they I mean, they see they see what we have, you know, and, and they they see, you know, like they see some of the cool things that we've illustrated and whatnot, but ultimately, I mean, like designing a website is a it's not it's very different than designing a t-shirt yeah. and so understandably they were you know they were like okay you know and i remember we talked about it and we have a great relationship with them i was like you guys were worried like you know and, and fairly and so i mean you know we we designed this uh, thomas dragonetti um who's our senior art director i mean he like we designed this entire entire thing you know top to bottom internally and i think the fact that like again i've been in the space for a long time and obviously you guys you know understand you speak with a lot of people like that's not a lot of companies that are like not a lot of companies can say that they've done that and 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 i think when the site comes to fruition i think it's really going to show like you know like it's gonna it's a good representation i'm just really 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 proud and stoked to work with the people that i have i mean like that, that i'm allowed to work alongside and learn from and be odd by you know we have phenomenal copywriters we just there's a, a Big long time coming project. Yeah. On that copyright thing, because I, I, I saw I saw a few elements around the site. You were saying earlier about we're not quirky brand. We're not that. And like, yeah. the, some of the copies come across as a bit, I would say, irreverent in, in a good way because you have mm-hmm. these pop ups around like give us give us your birthday date and we'll send you and it's we'll send you a coffee covered strippogram or a discount, mm-hmm. probably a discount. Yeah. So it's it's a bit irreverent. It's 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 playful. Mm-hmm. But I get, I get the non-quirky thing. It's not meant to be quirky, cutesy. It's, it's a bit playful and 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 fun. Is is that a fair assessment? Is that is that the kind of tonality you're carrying through into the new site? Yeah, it's 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 sarcastic. It's you know, it's kind of snarky, but it's just it's yeah. like it's like that. I mean, I. You know, this is something where we're we're also we during this entire time too. We've done a complete brand refresh. I mean, I mean, from top to bottom, we created an eighty page, and again, another amazing thing our team did internally. Like, we created an eighty page brand bible, like the type of language we use and, and everything. And so, um, you know, it's 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 we're I don't so I I say that meaning that like it definitely doesn't say that we're like we're like that that super obnoxious but you love him 13 year old son who's just like gets away with just being an ass but you just love him you know what i mean like yeah. it's, i don't i don't i don't want to say that's who we are you know necessarily but it's you know i think that's, that's kind of that's you've got yeah, that yeah, you know. use, like, underneath your logo we're your obnoxious 13 year old son come on i want to see that yeah 
So actually, you know, that's actually kind of makes sense, right? Because a 13 year old kid's got a ton of energy. I mean, probably a total, I mean, I don't have any kids, but I imagine a total nightmare to deal with, but like you, you love them. Like, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, you know, you wouldn't have it any other way. We and I feel like that's your old sons at some point and we can relate to how obnoxious we were. <laughs> Absolutely. I wear it as a private as a badge of honor. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, right. I'm going to rein us back in onto a, a question that yeah. we wanted to ask, actually. So before we start recording, uh, you were talking about how Amazon has been a big channel for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm intrigued by this because for some brands, it's like dancing with the devil in the pale moonlight with Amazon mm-hmm. because it's why do I want my traffic to be there? Like where? Yeah. Right. Why is Amazon big for you? And, and like, do you see that as as a core part of your future strategy? Uh, I would say for the future, uh, you know, for, um, you know, everything changes, you know, we, like we're, we're not, uh, you know, if Amazon, if let's put it this way, if, if we were completely removed from Amazon, right. Uh, we'll just say not due to our own decision, you know, or if we actually, regardless if we decided or not, would that be a detriment to our total revenue? Absolutely. You know, revenue, uh, the revenue that Amazon generates for us is, is, um, is notable. It would be, it would be a notable miss. Um, speaking back to, uh, you know, but but that doesn't mean that we're not willing to to move away from it if if it makes sense for us. Um, and I think you know the question you said, you know, why would I want to have cust my customers' traffic go to Amazon? I think that that's that's a that's a fair. Que- I think if you're asking that question, you're asking the right question. But I think it's you take it a step further and say, you know, if uh, actually, so there's a I, I promise this tangible we'll full circle here. So. There's a uh, well, like one of the most cited um, psychologists, a uh, behavioral psychologist, his name is Kurt Lewin. He wrote uh, a white paper uh, that's, I think, I believe it's like one of the most cited um, psychology papers in, in history, uh, in, in human history. He, like wrote it like in the 40s. It's about changing human behavior. And he said there's two, there's two ways you could change human behavior. You can apply pressure. You know, and that means like um, uh, applying pressure means like incentivizing, arguing or threatening. Right. And you can see how those all apply in marketing tactics. Right. And so like, you know, buy now before we sell out, give them a discount, uh, tell them why they should versus why they shouldn't, you know, threaten um, or argue with it. And so then or you can look at it a completely different way. And the, you can say, why are they not doing the thing? that we would like them to do. And so that would be removing obstacles. And so what I mean by that when it comes to Amazon is that, you know, if like, yes, you, you know, like what, what do you want the customer to be doing, right? You want the customer to be purchasing your product, right? That is the goal of that. And so if it is, if the easiest way for them to purchase your product is to purchase it in, in a different, in a different storefront, then, then, then you should allow that to happen. I think if you spend too much time fighting and, and fighting with the idea of doing that and potentially losing that first party data, which is going to happen, right? Like it's, I mean, like it's sure, like Amazon doesn't, Amazon doesn't give you shit, right? Like when it comes to data, but they're purchasing the product. And so how can you, how can you uh, hedge that? Right. So then focus on the marketing that you have, focus on the brand development and the community that you, that you can foster and create off, off, channel right because then once if they, if they become a subscriber on amazon and then you know like again for us if they become a subscriber on amazon they're like i just love this company like i just love the feel of it like are you not going to want to like go check out the real store once or twice and then be a part of the community so it's like you're still probably in your system just i mean not always but they're still probably going to want to be a part of your system to some case you know so i think you know you hedge that by creating community brand relationships and that's something that i think we've done we've done very well and i think we're going to continue to do even better in the, in the in the very near future um and so yeah that that's that's what i would say say to that you know i think yeah great um and 
what else do you have on your roadmap? Like, what else do you have planned in like the kind of short to medium term future? So you mentioned internationalizing uh, or kind of like, yeah, starting to sell into the UK, um, which mm-hmm. I'm hoping happens because I was looking at your site earlier <laughs> and uh, it's the shipping. The shipping is the killer. It's, oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I'd speak to that. We, I mean, we offered, we used to, um, about a year ago, um, or uh, no, it's 2019, uh, Mike Brown, CEO, he was on our podcast and he was just like, again, he's super smart. He's very customer obsessed and he just, you know, was going through the process and he did not notify the marketing team of this in any way. He was on the podcast and it was a live podcast and he goes, or no, it wasn't live, but it published. So we found out a week before we had to figure out how to solve the problem. So right in the past, if you, you know, spend 50 bucks, you get free shipping. Um, He announced, you create an account on our website. Every order you purchase is no shipping. And so... Um, we're like, oh, okay, that's okay. Like, let's figure out how to solve that problem, or like, you know, how how we can, you know, not not lose our ass per se. You know, like our AOV dropped down, and so that was a big big learning curve. So, and that that pertained to international shipping for for quite a while. But then, you know, we started to, you know, as we developed as a team and, and started to get people in, we're like, dude, we are we are losing our ass on international shipping. So, like, it, it actually like we felt bad we had to charge for it, but it just came to that piece. So, roadmap development, yeah, like I said, we were. Um, we were, uh, Mike actually went to, I can't tell you exactly where I, I'm not talking about, but, um, we looked at a, um, uh, a, an organic farmer and roastery in the UK with the intention of essentially being able to like ship our, our green coffee there, have it roasted. So that way we could have a better distribution and, and obviously offset a lot of the, the shipping charges that we unfortunately have to charge now. Um, you know, you can purchase our coffee through Amazon, uh, EU, I believe, or the UK, one of the two. I believe we're still on there. Uh, yeah, I, I I know that we were about six months ago, but again, the pandemic and supply chain did did mess up a few things. I could be I could be off base there, but I'm pretty sure it's still available. Um, so you know, that's certainly one. We did look at. Uh, we actually did um, get into Alibaba, um, and act, actually, the day our product launches, when um, the first. Uh, you know, I would say the first COVID death happened in China. Granted, like that, we didn't find out about that, like, you know, in America for probably like a month later, you know, we were obviously like, you know, trying to catch up to everything. So once that happened, it's just like, you know, in China, it was a significant situation, but in America, it wasn't. And so by the time the pandemic hit up, like we didn't have enough time to really, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, triage that situation. So that, that unfortunately, just the pandemic got away of it. But so future-wise, I mean, you know, Retail is incredibly important to us. You know, I think, uh, you know, retail locations, you know, product launching, you know, we've got a, a pretty sweet R&D team. We just brought on a, a really, really badass, awesome lady. Um, she was, uh, I think she was like one of the top 10 R&D like leaders of uh, like, she was like the R&D project director. But I, I'm making the title up. It's something to do with that. It's something of that nature. But she was, uh, in, she led an R&D department for eight years at Keurig. And so we just brought her on. And so, you know, I mean, she's already just been like, she's been here for a month and we're I'm not even going to tell you, we've got some pretty cool stuff coming out. Um, but so, yeah, just product development, but intentionally, you know, like every product we develop will be the world's strongest coffee, you know, and uh, just kind of going through that whole process of, yeah. Yeah. I think it's just product development. Um, I have another question on that. It's a sub question. So I used to work with um, Bulletproof uh, for quite a long time and they had a product called the Mentalist. And I, I always thought that was a very strong coffee. How much stronger is your coffee than the Mentalist? That's a 
Yeah, no, um, I, I don't know, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I was I'm literally when you said that I was kinda, I was about to Google it. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, so that's the other thing we, you know, we, we, we invented the world's strongest coffee. You know, that's like, that is our, that is our, you know, our trademark, that is our brand, that is who we are. You know, that does not mean that companies have not since then gotten into a caffeine pissing match with us. Um, you know, but that's, that's, you know, again, like we deliver the fair trade, organic world's strongest coffee. It's a, it's and and you know, understandably, I would have a bias. It's like, oh, it's the best coffee in the world. Like, and I'm, I, I think I've had very delicious coffees that are not delish. Um, but I, I genuinely like we, we, our coffee is incredibly good. It's incredibly tasty. It's incredibly strong. The first time I had actually had never had delish until my first day here, and I remember I drank it, and I was like, oh, this is what strong coffee feels like it's a very, very different, like kind of like buzzing, you know, and, uh, but it's now it's like, I drink probably two or three cups a day, try to become a little, um, acclimated to like, just being like a very high functioning person. But, um, yeah, I mean, like it typically will, you know, our coffee is at least two times the strength of the, the next strongest coffee. You know, like if you think of, you know, yeah, it's at least two times the strength of the next strongest coffee, you know, for the most part. Well, look, really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to share insights on the brand and your e-commerce outlook with our listeners. So, look, good luck with the new launch. I know it's always a bit of a stressful time, so we look forward to checking out the new site. And you said it was it's in 13 a- days. Yeah, June June tenth, and and yeah, I apologize there for my my distraction. I just we're about ready. To, we're kicking off a Memorial Day sale in fifteen. 15 seconds and I've got like nine people messaging me on teams. And so I was like, listening to you and I'm like, wait, is there a huge problem? Uh, Anyway, uh, no, sorry. This conversation was awesome. I really did enjoy it. I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, having me on, inviting me to to have this conversation and yeah, our our new website barring, you know, I I don't know. I I feel like, uh, you know, like when you see like the old, um, I guess still not, not even old, you know, like uh, all the the scientists at NASA, they're sitting in um, like the uh, Houston, like the launch station. It's like, that's how I feel. I'm like, Oh, please, like, please lift, please, you know, like that's definitely what it is. But um, yeah, yeah. We're, we're really, really excited. It'll be June 10th. Um, You know, barring a, barring a a rocket thruster explosion. I think we're going to be good to go. And we're super, super excited about it. Excellent. Uh, we look forward to it too. And for those listening, thank you as always for tuning in. Please subscribe if you haven't already and do share because this is a cracking episode. And if you keep sharing, we can achieve our goal of world domination because apparently um, we we are or we were in the top 50 business podcasts in Ghana. So we're bossing it. So tune in next okay. week for more e-commerce wonder.